no two art directors are carved from the same stone. While they may be united in purpose, each carries a unique essence. That's because the making of an art director is not a straightforward path. It's a maze filled with unique choices, challenges, and influences from their distinguished backgrounds. So how do we define the role of an art director? And how does each art director with their own methods tackle the common challenges of team dynamics, managerial distractions, or even loss of creative control? Today, we are sitting down with Tatu Peterson Janssen, whose insights and long experience with this role will help us get our answers. Let's jump right in. Hello, everyone. Let's meet our guest, Tatu Peterson Janssen. He's the studio director at Rovi Entertainment with over 20 years of experience working in the creative industry and in a lot of managerial roles. Tatu has in his past worked on and published more than 50 games overall from mobile games to AAA and whatnot. And he has worked with a lots of teams and has a varying experience. And from how much I know Tatu as a person, he's a very approachable guy who shares lots of his knowledge with the people and gives back a lot to the industry, basically helping build up the next generation of artists and leadership. How's it going, Tatu? It's going great. Thanks, Shiraj, for the introduction. Tatu, you have hired a lot of art directors. You have collaborated with so many of them. You have seen a lot of way on how everyone works. I'm just curious, do you believe in the same thing that no two art directors are same? And if that's the case, then how can we broadly define the definition of an art director? And how can we decide what their role and responsibilities are? Like, is that something that yeah. we can generalize and say? I, I think it's a very good question. I, I would say that just as there's no art directors that are just the same, it's more even to do about the companies. There's no two companies alike. And I think the art director role, first of all, it varies a lot from company to company also because of how the companies differ and how the needs of the companies differ. So like smaller companies, art director might be a very hands-on. In a startup, it might be that the art director is also the only artist in the company and having to do everything by themselves. Whereas in a company that is much larger, like probably the one that you are in and the one I'm in, there's a lot less hands-on time for us. And it's more about people focus, strategy focus. We're focusing on totally different things. We're still leading creativity and we're still leading art, but we're more using people as our tools rather than Photoshop or 3ds Max or so. I think that's probably like one of the things. Yeah, I that. agree too. It's more than what the definition and role is. It's very much based on the place where you're working the kind of company culture. And there comes all those kind of balancing act where you are trying to decide what's important here, what's less important here, and working accordingly. Because I've been to many places and sometimes the whole ecosystem is so different. You can't even have your own uh, way of working. You have to adjust according to, in order to be successful, of course. Yeah, I have had to tell many recruiters that have been trying to hire me that, I'm not that kind of an art director. Sometimes I notice immediately from the job ad or somebody approaching me for an opportunity that that's not an opportunity for me. That's more like what art leads in our company are doing. Because in a company like, for example, Rovio, where I'm at the moment, the project level art directing is mostly done by the art leads who have the full ownership of their own projects. and. I'm more there to be kind of mentoring and guiding them in finding the right solutions. And even more than finding right solutions, I'm there to ask the, the right questions and help them then devise the, the solutions for the challenges. Mm. Mm. So in that case, explain me, because this term is very commonly seen and some people have confusion about it. There's a title called art director at some places, and then there's also studio art director. What is the difference? For example, studio art director is understood as someone who is overseeing the entire studio, maybe not into one project, but there are also some practical cases where a studio art director is like an art director for one project until he or she is substituted. So what are the key differences between these roles? Is there anything additional I, for a studio AD? 
I, I think it's also something that is not necessarily standardized industry-wide. For example, technically speaking, my title is senior art director, but the role I'm doing is more of a studio art director. So I haven't done a single asset in a long, long while. I do it for myself as a hobby thing, but usually I have the saying that if I have to step into one of the projects and do some asset work, something has already gone like horribly wrong a long time ago. So we try to avoid me having to jump into the trenches and work hands on. We have usually a lot better people on every single position than I am with my hand skills. I'm not trying to belittle my own hands-on skills. I, I still have a lot of pride in my own art, but it's not something that is expected of me as a studio art director. Mm. And because there are so many things going on, sometimes if you go very deep, it doesn't allow you to have a holistic big picture about the situation. And that also creates lots of challenges. But let's go more like in the definition of an art lead and their integration into a project. So some teams, when they are very well structured and they may have a principal artist, a lead artist, and then an art lead, and maybe even more than one principal artist in the team based on their speciality and everything. And it can create a lot of confusion between the team because there are so many leaders, like lead people in a way. How do they decide how they have to work? If principal artists say something, do they have to listen to them and make those changes? Do they need approval from everyone? Like what kind of culture can an art director make internally for a team where yeah. everyone understands what they need to do? Yeah, I think the most important part is that there's communication about the expectations and especially on the roles and responsibilities and especially on the moments of overlap, because those are things that vary a lot from company to company. And especially nowadays, when you have people coming from different cultures, different countries, different kind of companies, you have people coming from AAA background, from mobile games, from startup games, you have people coming from so varied backgrounds. And as there is really no definitions on these roles that would be chiseled to stone, you have to have those discussions. Uh, who is giving an approval for what? Personally, I think that the culture I try to install or instill into the studios I work in is that nobody should be just like pushing through things because of their title is something. Like even I try to avoid doing that. I don't want to use my status power to drive through the changes. Like this is how I would like it to be done. Let's do it this way and demanding it like everybody follows me because I am the art director. I personally, I never step out of the chain of command. If I have feedback, I always try to channel it through my art leads because I don't want to undermine their credibility. So it's a kind of a sensitive thing. There's the problem that probably everybody finds early on in their leadership careers is that when you don't step away enough like when you're too much involved with giving feedback then everybody starts expecting you to give feedback on everything then you're all the time giving throwovers you're all the time like everybody comes to you instead of the project's art lead because they know that you have the final say on everything so that's why you have to be very very careful when you're working in this kind of a role when is it appropriate for you to be giving the feedback? Because not so much kind of like just causing that one in individual thing, but it easily becomes like the facto way of working and everybody will assume that you will be doing that all the time. Yeah. So it's good to avoid that. Yeah. And like we already started by saying this, that the art directors are so different and they're all have to adjust according to the variety and the company culture. But are there any typical challenges which are common for all the art directors, some problems or challenges which more or less like every art director faces? At least like one comes to my mind is that every one of us have gone through the phases where we're feeling that we don't have enough time for the hands-on work, that we're kind of 
losing our artistic abilities because all of our time is going in meetings and we don't get to practice. And I think we get to use our artistic eye so much more than we get to use our artistic hands-on skills that it can easily happen that your ability to see things that are especially not right in the art, that develops so much faster than your own ability to execute. So then you are in this like vicious cycle of always feeling not good enough because you're unable to execute. I feel like this is quite often people have expressed that they either have to deal with it when they've just started as an art director or if they've just started as an art lead. Like finding the balance is very hard. Yeah. I will come down to the balance one because I have some thoughts about this or maybe my approach on how I deal with this. But some more challenges which I sometimes come across and have seen them in the past is when the team which is given to you is also not according to you, the the kind of team that you want to work with. And maybe those are the people that you didn't hire. So their way of working is widely different from how you like to work. And that creates some disagreements about the vision for how something should be approached. That creates a problem. Also, I'm a person who always like to have an art producer along. No matter how much I am organized at work and I can take care of schedules, I can take care of planning, I can do all of those things, but I still need someone as an art producer. And if that person is not present, it it creates a lot of problem. Yeah. I think you mentioned a very important topic, and I think we should maybe explore a little bit deeper into that. And that's what's the expectation from art director or art lead in terms of how much production work they do. Because in some companies, the expectation is that the art lead also defines all the pipelines, defines all the who does what. And in some cases, I've seen people expecting that the art lead, which is in most cases project level art director, should be taking feature level backlog items and uh, slicing and dicing them into you do that, you do that. Basically, having a double role as an art producer. Yeah. You said that you want to always have an art producer. I guess there's uh, good reasons for that. This came up because of the point about the hands-on thing that you said. It takes off your opportunity to be hands-on if you don't have a producer at all. Because whatever few minutes that you are getting here and there, you are responsible for the production part, schedule, planning, adhering to deliveries, like all of those things, which basically it sucks up so much of your time that it's very difficult to even just focus on the quality of art overall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have a huge love for production as a craft. I've worked as a producer multiple times in my career. I think when I was working at Remedy, I was, I think I had like 100 people reporting to me directly or indirectly, and I was producer for three teams. There was way too much work on my plate. That was pretty much one of the reasons why I I did eventually then went back to mobile games and to be closer to the games. So I have a huge love for production, but I do see where you're coming from. It takes so much time and energy. For me, I like to do that a lot. But even I have in my organization, I have director of art production. That is also my second in command that Instead of me jumping into a game project and trying to figure out what's wrong with the art production, I can put him into there instead of me to try to figure out like where are the pain points, what are the bottlenecks, where could we do better. Yeah. And producers also don't just help with the schedule part and the general day to day, but they also, for example, I remember when I was outsourcing and that point of time, the producer was so helpful because they take care of all the contract work, uh, signing all the NDAs and things, checking with them on some details, which you may miss out. For example, asking about the holiday calendar from the vendor and checking whether this works for us. And then the producer came to me and mentioned that, hey, they're going for like a week off. And is that good for us? So those things are sometimes like they can slip from your mind, even if yeah. how much managed you are. So, yeah. Yeah, it's all that time is away from working on the vision and working with your team. So, yeah, I, I totally get that. 
personally, I, I do a lot of that still. Like I do most of the contract work. I draft some contracts. I manage budgets. It, it's something that I kind of like. So I've, it, it's kind of stuck to me, but it's also like something that I always tr- try to push that responsibility more to the art leads or the producers in the team. So it wouldn't be on my table. But in a way, I, I do see that for me, it's important to have the overview on the budgets as well. So that's why I don't want to fully give up on that. Yeah. And one more thing which I commonly see for people, especially those who are responsible for one project, like the way you mentioned, less manager, more onto the project. If their approach is either between iterative mindset or perfectionist mindset, and this is something which is also very challenging because there can be an art director who is very perfectionist and they like to have the best results come up with the team but they don't have this kind of way where yeah let's just put this into the game and then over the period of time continue to iterate and then the same situation happens for the other people who have a very iterative mindset i'm not looking for perfection at the moment i am just good with shipping it good enough and then we continue to improve 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 and over one and two years the game is going to get to a better result than what we are doing right now. But the culture at the place that they belong to has a perfectionist mindset. Yeah, I yeah. I think there's there's a um, lot of truth to that. There's at least those mindsets. I feel like it's very useful for me personally that I have gone through the phase where games were small enough that I was having to do all of it. Even though I was working in a studio that was working on 10 games simultaneously, most of the time it was like a one or two artists in the project. So you had to learn how to optimize all the time. Also, when I got to game industry, like we were mostly making games for the feature phones, the Symbians, the Java phones without touchscreens. They usually had very limited amount of space and memory and computing power so you had to all the time be optimizing and that has stuck with me a lot uh, there's actually a lot of things that i i still do the same like i've been asked a few times how do i summarize my art direction process and my way of aligning everybody to one way of working is that i, I work through visual targets and visual target for me it's it was the same for the old Java game era where we had to make one screenshot so that the product managers that are nothing like the product managers we have nowadays could go to the telephone operators and sell those games to their operator decks. So we had to make a bull shots without single line of code being written on the game. We had to make these vision shots that were selling the game before any development had been started. And that's the way I, I still think at the very early phase, when you're going through your concepting and mood boarding and project positioning, you start to funnel all that vision into one or two screenshots that will become your visual targets. And that's also me trying to limit the amount of things that people are thinking at one time so that we would get over that perfectionist mindset that we would be able to all focus on one vision and we would have very concrete end result for that vision. Yeah, but I think the, the reason why I brought up this topic about the, the perfectionist versus uh, iterative mindset, it's a big, big key on the deciding factor of how successful an art director can be at a place. And this is something both for a candidate who's trying to get into a company and also for the employer who's trying to hire an art director. They need to really talk about these things and have a very clear discussion at the beginning that this is how we do things here. So, yeah. 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 And it varies a lot from company to company. and. It can be very bad if those differences in views are only found out once you've already started. It's going to be an uphill battle in that company if you don't mix well with the expectations. Yeah. Coming back to the thing that we were talking about, the hands-on problem, the challenge of not being enough hands-on. 
obviously, like you said, it comes out more when you are transitioning from being a senior artist and just become an art lead. It's just the most hardest part indeed. And slowly, I think you start to accept that difference and accept this reality. So it becomes a bit more easier for you. However, what I try to do on my end is I try to reduce my meetings if I could, if that's something that is possible. Because sometimes maybe you're just overflowing yourself with lots of meetings and you don't need to be in all of them. You don't need to be in all the conversations. You don't need to be present in everything. And you can find some ways here and there in order to reduce them. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why delegation is such a powerful tool. You need to learn how to delegate downwards in the organization, but also sideways and upwards. You need to be able to let go of being in control of all the details and let somebody else do it. That's also like often when I'm hands-on in a project, it's it becomes like I first look at people around me and identify what are the key skills what are the things that everybody excels in? And the visual target becomes a joint effort of everybody putting in the part that they're best at. Yeah. And one thing which I like to do is, is I try to set aside some focus time. It's a clear time known for people that this is like my D&D mode. And if it's really urgent, only then you get back to me. But I'm trying to focus at work. So this also helps. And one thing which I've also done in the past, which is maybe not the most appropriate thing to do, but I had no choice, so I I chose to do it, was moments where I would maybe even work on the weekend. I don't encourage it as a concept, and I really have a huge respect and value for work-life balance. But sometimes when I just needed, for example, there's a big complex situation on the project where you have to solve something like an entire style that you have to decide or maybe like the map that you are doing and we don't know how the base is going to look like. And you are unable to find that time in the office because there's so much of noise everywhere and it's not enabling you to focus. So I just went for a big heavy lifting over the weekend. Obviously, I didn't have kids back then. And then I took a couple of days off from the week to just adjust and get my rest. And it allowed me to be hands-on in the way I wanted. So some heavy liftings are usually helpful. You can even do it on a weekday where you can decide with the team that, hey, this is the day when we are not going to have many meetings or not even like dailies. Yeah. That's what I would probably encourage people to do is just dedicate that one day a week where you don't have any one-on-ones, where you don't have any recurring meetings. You block long meeting that is only focus time for you. Maybe it's also a day that you want to work remotely from home so you have the full focus and you don't have notifications on from email. You've told some art producer if you have an art producer that call you if there's a fire but otherwise that's the focus time that is important for you i think there's also like a very kind of interesting topic around keeping up with your hands-on skills which is that still when we're hiring art directors when we're hiring art leads even though that we know that 90 percent of their work will be people management uh, dealing with people issues thinking about strategy or vision Still, we're hiring them based on their portfolio, first and foremost. We're doing the initial screening based on their portfolios. If somebody says anything otherwise, I won't trust them. Even for me, I've received applications for art director positions when I've been helping other studios find art directors. And I'm like, had to say to the talent acquisition manager that, hey, I can't evaluate this. There's no portfolio. Maybe at some point in our career, more of our portfolio can be just a list of the games we worked on. And it becomes the kind of quality of the games is our quality. But I I still keep pride in being able to do every single position in my, like, I, I want to be able to do some concepting. I want to be able to do hard surface modeling. I want to be able to do user interface design and UX design. I want to be capable on those. Because you never know, like the big company that you're working on, something might happen and you have to start again, or you end up starting something of your own. And again, you're in the phase where unless you have huge external VC money flowing in, you will have to do a lot of it yourself. And there 
it's important that you still have the skills. Yeah. And it's for your own motivation. I think there's a very big difference in your body language uh, when you are happy internally. So it's like the mindfulness for artists uh, and art director. And uh, we all uh, feel very joyful when we realize that in the past we have been not completely far from art. And whenever there's an opportunity, we are doing a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So we agreed that the hands-on work reduces. This is something which is the truth. But what? Weird challenges also comes when you also lose some creative control. Is that something that you have seen for some people where they are even more frustrated as leads because they're finding so many voices in the room? Sometimes it's the overarching company strategy. Sometimes the game lead is very dominant. The product team people are very dominant with their preferences. And also marketing is having a huge amount of say on how you are approaching a project. So those so many of voices sometimes can make you feel that you're losing your own ownership on the creative direction. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's one kind of tangenting topic on that, that many people have totally wrong picture in their head when they think about leadership. What is leadership? What is the role of art director? What is the role of art lead? It's not like you've given the title and suddenly everybody tells exactly what you say. It only works in probably military where everybody just does exactly what the people above them is saying. In everywhere else, especially in creative field, it's about discussion. It's about internal sales. Personally, I found I was telling to our talent acquisition director, Yumi, about how I approach internal sales and she was like that's japanese concept of nemawashi and i was like what and i had to dig into it and i read the toyota way and it has stuck to me as one of the most important tools in my disposal is no matter how high you are in the hierarchy you still need to be able to sell your ideas and proposals it kind of gets easier when you have that expertise power and your hierarchical power on your side so people are more easily doing what you say but you still have to sell your ideas and especially in a project where there's art lead there's design lead there's programming lead there's game lead who owns the vision it's like on paper it's probably the game lead but the game lead will naturally give the design decisions to the design lead the art decisions to the art lead but it's not ultimate power and it's not ultimate responsibility that you would always get your way, especially if there's conflicts between the different crafts. You have to be able yeah. to sell your ideas and tell, yeah. like, why is it important that we do it this way? Absolutely. I 100% agree. I mean, it's never the case where you think that, okay, now I'm crowned as an art director, so everything is going to go according to me and I'll make all those decisions. It's a very balancing game. Very balancing game. Yeah. 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 And I found it like the most, like you were mentioning those people with perfectionist mindset and people with just get it done attitude. I found it the most challenging sometimes, like working as an art lead, where I think the guidelines are good enough. They are helping us go forward. But then you have that one perfectionist in your team that is like, we haven't defined anything, like nothing is defined, nothing is good enough, Not like the pipelines are not good enough. Personally, I love to have that kind of people in my team because they are kind of challenging my decisions and they're helping me not settle for good enough. But no matter how much we can, like we all admit and agree that you can't have the whole control, but still there's something that is always needed from the team alignment side where the team is aligning to your vision there are not enough of disagreements between the team and the art director because that becomes a, a big pain overall for having to internally deal with the team which is not aligned to your vision. So are there any specific tools that a lead can use in order to make their team follow them? Yeah, so I actually think you and Jack talked about this in a, one of the earlier episodes a lot more. But for me, there's two kinds of tools in all creative leadership. You have reactive tools and then you have proactive tools like guidelines and visual targets are proactive tools It's trying to set 
detailed instructions for your team, what is the vision and how it should be done and all of that. Same, by the way, goes to vision and mission statements. Those are also kind of proactive tools trying to guide your team towards the intended goal. And then you have your reactive tools, which are your throwovers and your own hands-on work. You're leading by example. You're leading by giving feedback to people. So those are the kind of two categories of tools in our disposal. Did I forget anything? Do you have any things that you would like to no, add? No, absolutely agree. And yeah. one thing which I like to do, especially over the period of time working with the teams and gaining experience and getting some seniority on this one, I have started to ask my team to have an open mindset. Like I've tried to train them with this wing that they have to keep their emotions aside. Like emotions are something which an artist will always have, but still they have to treat it as a commercial industry. And also I make sure that the team starts to understand that at the end of the day, I as an individual is responsible. Like As much as I like the feeling of autonomy and I want everyone in the team to feel that this is their product, this is their game because this is when they will be most efficient. But I try to tell them in a way where they understand that end of the day, people are going to grab my collar if things are not correctly working. So they have to enable me with those decision-making things. And it cannot be that I can keep everyone happy. I'm so sorry. But yeah, it's not very uh, easy thing to do. Yeah. yeah. For me, still the most important tool is the visual targets. That's how I art direct. I've told it in many occasions that I always aim for hands-off art directing. And I, I do have the luxury of having amazing art leads in my disposal and in my team. So my contribution to the vision of the project is usually limited on just trying to push for best possible visual targets to be set, because I like to go hands off after that. That was my moment of handing over the ownership to the art lead. Now it's fully yours. And it's something that I, I find like extremely important because I, I've never seen a game that would look better than the initial visual target. That just not, never happens. If you don't have the skills in your team or if you don't have the skills to do a good enough visual target screenshot, you probably don't have the needed skills to do the game. So that's why I put so much emphasis on early on Doing a visual targets, I, I usually do at least two or three visual targets throughout different production phases. Because initially you want to have something that you can put on the wall and have biggest competitors aside your screenshot. And you would have to have at least your own team, preferably also your intended target audience, re representatives of your target audience, pick your game instead of the competition game. That's the simplest it is at the very early stages. You can see what kind of parts is the visual target made of. So you can make your pipeline definitions and then you start building your art Bible based on the visual target. Everything flows from that. And even more so, the visual target becomes your internal alignment tool. You just say, this is how the game will look like when we're done. It's not going to be looking worse. It's not going to be looking any better than this. This is what we're aiming for. So everybody aligns and is aiming for the same vision. In bigger games, that's usually visual, like vertical slice. You have to do more concrete example of it. But it also starts from first you make an individual screenshot. Then you might make a small video clip. Then you make something playable. But even at that phase where you have already playable prototypes, I think it's better to have the visual target and the gray box prototype as a separate thing. Because if you make the graphics look too good in the gray box, it just doesn't feel right. It's much better to just focus on making the gray box prototype feel amazing without the graphics. And then you have the visual target to accompany it. like. Well, if you like that, this is how it's going to look like when it's done. So that becomes the kind of pairing like Craybox prototype for the design definition and then the visual target for the art side. It's a communication tool. 
Yeah, 100% agree on how a visual target can help align with the team because this is where your vision, their vision, your own benchmark standards, their benchmark standards, all those things have a practical example on the wall. Uh, It it becomes concrete at that point. Usually even when we're looking at the mood boards, everyone is visioning the game slightly different inside their heads. You need to put it on the paper. This is what we're aiming for. Not that, not that, this. That's the way you're able to align the whole team. And then you can work on the details. And pretty much in a perfect world, art director is there with the art lead, leading the establishment of the visual targets. And after those art targets have been set, the art director should shut up, accept that that's the quality. And then the art lead should be owning the execution from that point onwards. In practice, it's never that easy or that straightforward. But in a fantastical, perfect world, it would be going like that. Yeah, yeah. We spoke a lot about alignment with the team, also sharing the vision and not just owning it all entirely. But our directors also have to make some tough calls, no? So I, I want to know what kind of tough calls are our director typically have to make? Hmm. I think one of the, the toughest calls are probably the people-related topics. I've gone through, like, at some point I was counting that I've gone through eight rounds of layoffs during my career. And I've also twice been in a position where I had to first decide for half of my team to go. And then a couple of months later, I had to tell the rest of them that, well, it didn't work out. So on the later part, when you're saying to everybody that, oh, we didn't succeed in what we were trying, that's relatively easy. But then when you have to do those individual selections of like, we need those people, that's amazing and really fun to be around person, but we just can't justify keeping him or her in the team anymore. So those are probably the most toughest because especially when you're in a larger organizations, you might have to deal more with that. Not during the good times. When good times are good, you have nothing to worry about. You don't have to do that much of those tough decisions. You still might still have to do those tough decisions where you might have, for example, initially thought that that's the art lead of that project. And then you give them time to find the vision and they just are unable to deliver. And then you have to make a call that, hey, sorry, we tried, but I have to give the responsibility to somebody else. In those cases, especially in Nordic companies, it doesn't usually mean that you would be laying them off or anything. You would be probably just like putting them on a different role and maybe they get to try again being an art lead in the future. But this time you had to make that decision that it didn't work out this time. Yeah, I agree. The people problems, especially having to let them go, is one of the hardest and the toughest thing. And sometimes it's not in your control. And even when it, if you have it in control, like someone slowing you down by a relatively big amount, which is not good for the project, not good for the team, it creates a bad culture for the team overall. So you have to sometimes let people offboard the bus overall. Yeah, but I have to say that for me, especially in being kind of like a studio art director role, I'm almost equally doing it for my people than I'm doing it for the company. For me, leadership has always been more about service to the people. Because in a way, if you think about it, without your team, you would be just individual artist. You wouldn't be art directing anybody's work. You would be just doing it your hands on. So for me, the most important part of the role of being a lead of any kind, and especially being a director in a games company, it's about service. It's about making sure that everybody is taken care of, everybody's doing fine. Sometimes it's also about kind of being a fair to everybody that you can't have that somebody is doing the work of everybody else. And you have people who are dragging them down and you have to be fair. Even when you're doing it as a service to your team and you're trying to make everybody happy, you have to be also fair. You can't give any kind of special treatment to somebody just because they're nice to be around. Everybody still needs to pull their own weight. Mm. 
So what's the best way for an art director to start on the right foot? For example, if you've joined a new company or a team, what are the first things an art director should do? Uh, Get to know people. For me, everything about my job ultimately is about having empathy, being active listener, understanding what motivates people. What are the things that people are coming every day to work, especially in our industry where, of course, every one of us is doing it partially to make the ends meet and to make the living. But we have all these creative ambitions that are driving us and understanding those creative ambitions. That's something that you have to do a lot of listening to. That's why one-on-ones are probably the most important tool for me to get to know people. That's something that you have to do. Yeah, for me too. It not just tells you about the people, but also you understand the culture of the company. You also get to know what's working, what's not working. And it allows you to decide how much can you innovate at this place. And this is an important question to also answer for yourself to just to set your own expectation that you have come down to this place. How much can we really innovate in this place? Uh, One thing which is a very deep and separate topic, but just to connect with the art director role, I want to ask about career progression. So typically, everyone knows how you can become an art director from an artist. You started as a junior entry-level artist. You became a game artist. You went on to being a senior. You had some choices where you want to specialize on to principal role or you can turn into an art director. But what's next for an art director? That's something like someone who reaches at an art director, they do not know where they can go. And all of these titles are known to people that, yeah, there is a VP of art, there's a head of art, there's a CCO. What's the gap or what was exactly is required for an art director to be a VP of art, let's say? I have an easy answer and the more complicated answer. But maybe starting from the sad truth is that no matter what you do, you can't have full control over you ever getting to those positions because part of you getting to those positions is also about the organization you are in. So the only way you can guarantee that you get to be whatever you want is to start something of your own. And when you're CEO of the company, you can call yourself VP of art or head of art uh, at the same time and maybe hire yourself a new CEO. That's the only way you can guarantee to make into those positions. Then I think the other way is that you work in a smaller companies, you're getting into the larger companies or you're in a medium to large company and you make that growth yourself. You make your game project successful so that there's more and more game projects or bigger and bigger game projects in your studio. And then once you elevate people from your own team and establish, for example, director layer underneath you, then you have the opportunity of moving higher up into those roles. But I would like to say the exact same thing I say to everybody who I have had career path or career progression discussions. I always want to uh, start with a question of like, what is it that you're actually wanting? What is the thing that motivates you? What is the actual things that you're thinking of these titles giving you, except maybe a little bit more salary or more prestige? But then again, like, Are we idolizing the VPs of art or head of arts? We're idolizing the best artist in the world. So if it's the clout, if it's the prestige, that's not necessarily the the right direction you're heading. So I, I would like to challenge everybody to really think about it very hard that what is it that they really want? Do they want to have a broader impact? Do they want to be in charge of larger organization, whatever that means? Do they really want to give up even more of their time to work on strategy and people? Because that's what it usually means is that you will just have less and less time for hands-on work. So you have to really be devoted that you're more interested in dealing with people and having people as your brush than being able to do the stuff with your own hands. 
Yeah, agree. I think right after art director, things just mostly evolve from how the company's evolving and how you're going. Some examples that you gave are great, like staying longer at a company and also having delivered some successful projects and then showing an appetite for all of these things, which are very away from hands-on, but good at preparing strategies, good at leadership, good at happiness index for people, setting up company culture. So it it basically enables you to go up overall. Yeah. Yeah. Also in that, it's a lot about the internal sales. Like no matter how good you are doing those things that you also mentioned, if uh, the right people don't know that you did those. uh, Yeah. 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 So you have to also be kind of, I don't know if it's right term for this, but a little bit of personal branding. You need to be know of standing out these things. Yeah. And you have to be sometimes doing it like when the right people are asking you to do like, hey, can you help me with this PowerPoint? Like, yeah, sure thing. I'll help you. and I'll got you covered. Don't worry about it. And no matter if you're, if you're doing it yourself, but or delegating it to your team, but you want to be the person who they can always trust that no matter what kind of art related topics they have, you got them covered. So that's part of just kind of being reliable being somebody trustworthy and being on the top of the mind. But ultimately, it's always going to be the organization that defines what kind of roles there is. And I've had so many discussions about like somebody stating that ultimately I want to be an art director. And I'm saying like, amazing, really great to know. I can teach you so much. I can help you fill your gaps in your knowledge. I can help you with the leadership parts. I can help with this and that. And I can delegate a lot of the stuff from my plate on your plate so you can practice. But ultimately, it might need me to get hit by a bus for you to get the opportunity to take my role. Or it might mean that I need to be able to move in my career so that I leave my place vacant. That's why I think it's important for art directors also to be all the time thinking about who is the second in line, who would be doing my job if I get hit by a bus, not only for the succession planning for the company, but also to make it any way possible for them to move on in their own careers by making it possible for others to move in their careers and gain the seniority. You're making it also easier for yourself to move on with your career. Mm. And what's your take on the evolution of our director role? Like as the industry has moved forward, in what ways has the AD role evolved? What are the new and different ways of working in the new ADs that you are seeing and even the future ADs who are going to come compared to the traditional definition that we know? Um, yeah, I think even if we would compare you and me We're kind of different in many ways. You're amazing with your sketching abilities. Your sketches, like rough sketches, look so juicy and amazing. Whereas I'm like, I I feel so like bad being around amazing sketchers. Like I can deliver my ideas, but I've never been a concept artist. I started my career working as an individual artist doing pixel art. I never needed to learn that. The last time I was doing like anatomical drawings was in when I was at the art school. So it's been a long time. So maybe there's that as one definition is that there's people with different backgrounds. There are people with more focus on maybe, for example, game art, like the act of making great user experience, the act of making great experience for the player, and they have this more business mindset. And then there is these kind of traditional art directors that are still like purely about making the best looking characters, best looking environments. It doesn't mean that one would be better than the other. It's just that both of those will need different kind of people around them. So when you have a very business minded art director, you can probably have them more involved in the decision-making in the game general. If you have more traditional art director with kind of pure artistic, raw, good quality, you might need to have those producers and business-minded people around them to help them with the, the blind spots they might have. 
So it's all about kind of balancing then your team to support the key players in your team. Yeah. The one thing which I've been observing as I continue to be in this role and I have been seeing around like the the way the industry is progressing, we all know that it's a very fast-paced industry. So finding efficiency to arrive at results fast is becoming a big priority and the art directors are trying to find ways on how they can improve that. And there have been more increased focus on references and research and how the market is doing, the competition is doing. So lots of those things. And also, I was not in the era of when PC games were made or the company culture, but I generally read about them. When I got into it, it was more like a very young indie studio culture, which I liked more. But I, I felt that in the recent time, there have been more focus on things like work-life balance and mental health and well-being of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is becoming an important concept. Mm. Yeah, I, I like to talk about art direction and directing the, the projects. But even in a studio the size of ours, I, I think we're currently around 200 people. We have four games going in our studio. You get to work on the setting up the visual targets maybe once a year, sometimes not even that often. So it's all the time in between is is about dealing with people stuff, dealing with making people happy. And that has been always like for a couple of years already, it's been the top priority in my strategy for my team is that happy artists make better games. If we're able to make sure that our teams feel good, they have all the tools they need to do their work, they have enough on their plate, they are rightly positioned so that they're challenging themselves, but still working close enough to their comfort zone so that they know what to do. All of those then can be seen in the general happiness of your team. So I talk a lot about mental health. I talk a lot about happiness, but it's not happiness just for the sake of happiness, but happiness also means results. When you have happy people, they're able to do more, they're able to push further and they feel inspired, then they're doing inspirational stuff. There is the saying that you can't make fun games without having fun. And I think there's some truth to that, that if you're not happy, if you're all the time struggling or if the work is way too hard for you, then you're probably wrongly positioned. And somebody who's art directing in the studio should probably do something about your position and think about like maybe that other project could be a better fit for your skill set. So you could develop your skills without having this pressure. That's something I work 90% of my time is dealing with people stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're not enjoying, you cannot be efficient. So pretty true. And one question I want to ask about hiring, which is basically a very different topic and a totally wide topic also, like how to hire a perfect art director that would be take like an hour in order to discuss that. But, it's a good topic, yeah. Very yeah, good but question. Can you think of some sort of standout characteristic to seek from an art director? What are the considerations that you can do when you're hiring I, someone? I do have my standard set of questions that I ask every time and I, I'm happy to give them out here. Like I, I do ask often what leadership means to them. There is no right or wrong answer, but the way you answer to that question tells a lot about you. I do like to have... There's one trick question. Again, it's almost like gimmicky because it's very close to the, you know, that there's the almost cliche way of finding like good salesmen. You give them a pen and you ask them to sell that pen to you. And the inexperienced salesman starts describing the pen and all the features it has. And it's like, this pen writes so well, this is the best pen ever. And they're describing the pen for you. The good salesman asks what do you use pen for? They start asking you questions about like, where are you using it for? And trying to understand the need you have. And then they're offering the pen as a solution for your problems. So for the leadership positions, which art direction is, I, I have the question of like, I set up some scenario and I ask, inspire me to follow you. And there's no right or wrong way, but it, you need to be able to think on your feet. You have to be able to think of ways to 
get people inspired and people to follow you. Then there's still one more thing that I absolutely get some sadistic joy out of is back in the days, especially when you still invited people over to visit your studio and you had the whole day booked full of meetings and you had an on-site interview. I usually had like a on-site interview with the, the art team that will be your art team in the future. There's first maybe like just getting to know them and uh, a little bit of normal interview, but then there's an assignment. Like come up with design, for example, for this and this kind of a game product or game. And it puts people in this kind of like almost of a stress situation where, again, it tells a lot about person, how they behave in that kind of a situation. It's very natural for many people to start just dictating how to do things and they will just kind of try to take control of the situation I personally kind of like the people who are using some of their time to ask questions from the people around the room and they take their ideas into consideration because no matter what you're able to do in a, for example, 20 minute time, time slot, nothing will be kind of good enough. But when you come into that room and you act as like a studio lead and you're like asking them to pitch that game for you. Whether they only pitch the ideas they came up with themselves or whether they're also telling that, hey, that person had a great idea. It was about this and they're sharing the platform. Those are the leaders you want to be hiring because it's the kind of little details in that kind of process. Great. These are fun, actually. And I never had the fortune to uh, get interviewed by you and be part of these activities. But whoever is listening, if you are, Really interested for these kind of role plays. Uh, I think apply to Tatu and he'll put together a lot of fun activities for you. This is uh, this is a really, really good way, actually, especially trying to convince you to follow uh, their vision. I think it's a great marker to understand the way of thinking and also asking about what leadership means to you. It's a very yeah. good question. Yeah. yeah. And ultimately, there's no right or wrong answers to any of these. It just tells like the way you react to those questions tells a lot about your character. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I remember when I was getting hired at King and my studio head who was doing the final interview with me, he presented, I think on the table, he had some stickers, like some cards with different values written on them. And they were all great. Like they were all something that you want for yourself. And then he laid them out and he asked me, pick up the five things that you want and you like to have. And it was a very tough call because everything mattered. Everything which was there were all good virtues and it's very hard to choose. But I think the ones that I selected maybe gave him an idea about myself and that's something which is very important. Yeah. Yeah. And often a lot of these questions are more about just like how you explain yourself and your ability to make decisions because that's what art direction is it's about choosing that over that it's about decision making and often it's also making decisions that are not so clear like you can't always be making the best looking game ever sometimes making the best looking game is not the best performing product sometimes you have to have different values that you're trying to portray with your artistic choices there's a one very kind of concrete example if you want to hear there was like a it's coming from the more of the advertising agency side and it was like this one friend of mine who was making this white label product designs for one Finnish supermarket and they were trying to portray that those white label stuff like when you're choosing the best can of tuna you have the deluxe can of tuna and then you have the white label the white label is not meant to look good so they were trying out they were a b testing whether it's like a full gradient in the the label or is it better if they just like you have use three step uh gradient it looked awful but it was very very efficient getting the message true that that's the most cheapest can of tuna out there because people don't make their decision by looking at the price tags 
most of the people are just grabbing the cheapest tuna or the deluxe tuna. They have those two choices and you want to look the cheapest when you're making a white label product. Mm. Mm. Yeah, great. This definitely deserves a very deep topic about just hiring the art director because it takes so much about alignment from the employer side and the individual side. But just to summarize on what you said, understanding the way of working from both parties is super important. Also, those who are hiring can try to understand the the people planning part of the art director, what kind of team plan they have, what kind of team balance they like to have. Even thinking from a specialist mindset to a generalist approach in the team and their focus areas. So those things are also sometimes helpful to just to evaluate whether the specific project you have in mind or the company culture you have in mind, is it aligned with the person you are trying to hire? And just as a concluding question, I'm interested to know if you have to give one piece of advice for those who are aspiring to become an art director in the industry, what would that be? Um I would kind of encourage people to give it a go. I think there's way too many people who are just thinking that that's too big of a trade-off and they're pushing, making that decision for a long time. Personally, I kind of started in an art lead role way early in my career, went into kind of a managerial route, and I went maybe even too deep into the managerial role at some point where I lost totally the touch into art and I was kind of on my career path to become just like a studio director type of role, which could have been interesting choice, but it wasn't the one that I was ready to make in that decision. So I just took like a backboard step and went back to being art director with zero people reporting to me. You can go back and forth. It's not like a decision you make forever. There's also very easy ways of giving it a go. Something that I, I tell to a lot of my art leads, I might encourage them to have one-on-ones because like one-on-ones are probably the most important tool and being comfortable in this, having those one-on-one discussions and working through other people. It helps them become better at their work, but it also readies them for the next steps makes them more comfortable making the step to having people reporting to them and ultimately being a art director. So maybe to summarize, I, I think many people shouldn't postpone trying it out. They should just be brave enough to just try it out, see if it's for them. If it's not for them or if it's too early in their career to do that, they can always go back. They can always go back to just focusing on their hands-on work and Maybe then give it another go later in their career and see if they have the appetite for that. Absolutely. I love what you said and I 100% agree. Giving it a go is the penultimate thing, which is an advice that you can give to anyone. And like you said, trying it out, if it doesn't work, you can go back. When you go back, don't think that this was like never going to work. You can give it another try, maybe at another place, maybe at another project. Maybe it can work. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and also because sometimes the best leaders are the leaders who didn't actually want to become leaders. They became leaders because of necessity. It's not because like those who naturally gravitate towards leadership positions are often doing it for the wrong reasons. But if you're kind of Seeing the, the need in the company and you're giving it a go and you're more likely to be suitable for that role than somebody who just has been for their whole life trying to bulldoze their way to that kind of roles. True. Some of the things which I want to add from my side about what I feel uh, are crucial, especially when you are newly appointed as an art director, you have to always remember that result of a good teamwork is always going to be better than your own best shot. So this is a mindset which is very important. And it's a struggle because sometimes you feel, yeah, you know the best and you can do the best. But if you are able to achieve from good teamwork, then it's always going to be much multiplier better than your own best shot. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Personally, I also have the rule that I try to always hire people who are better than me. 
especially when it's for a hands-on position, I want them to be better than me in doing that. That's why you're not getting to do that much hands-on work nowadays anymore, because you have the opportunity of hiring people who are better than you in doing that. But also with that said, I, I would like to say to the more seasoned art leads and art directors that they shouldn't shy away from giving feedback to people who are better than them. Because even those who are world's best at what they're doing still need feedback. And your perspective might be helping them to find better ways of doing things or improving in their line of work. Yeah, That's exactly how we well. started, isn't it? Everyone had their own different experiences, different understanding of things, and whatever they could be saying could bring a lot of new insights and values to whatever you are creating. So yeah, have open ears. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was a very fun conversation and when we were deciding about doing this podcast between you and me, we were talking that it can be presented and talked about in so many different ways. Even if we have another person in the room, they might be saying completely different than what you and I are saying. Yeah. yeah. Also, maybe to summarize still one thing on that topic is that nothing is chiseled in stone. We are defining what it is to be an art director with our own actions and our own perspectives. We're all the time changing the role of art director by just being ourselves in that role. So that's why it's kind of uh, ever-changing role as well. Great. Thank you so much, Tatu. And I'm going to link you in the description. Yeah, thank you so much. This was very, very insightful. I learned a lot about how to approach interviews and I'm going to definitely steal some of your tricks. (laughs) <laughs> it was amazing. Thanks a lot. And, Thank you. Um, Thank you, Shiraz. Hope to see you again. Thank you, everyone. Likewise.